Thanks for being here. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7, or look in your Bible app on your phone, Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 24 through 27. I really encourage you to look at the passage, uh, so if you could just flip in, open the Bible, uh, Matthew chapter 7, first book of the Bible, verses 24 through 27. For the next about a uh, few weeks of the summer, when I'm speaking, we're going to be going through um, some of the, the parables of Jesus, the stories that Jesus told. The, Jesus was a master tor- storyteller, and he would tell stories with intentionality, and he told them intentionally to get an intentional response. And so we're just going to look at some of the parables or the stories of Jesus. And the first Story, the first parable that Jesus told in the Gospel of Matthew is this one in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And it comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blow and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thanks for the truth of your word, and thanks for the challenge of your word, and Holy Spirit, I pray you would awaken us this morning to it, you would teach us from it, and God, you would reveal to us what you want us to see. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You're going to have to destroy your shed. Was a letter I got about two years ago when we moved to our new subdivision. Uh, I got this letter from the uh, association that said, uh, you're going to have to destroy your shed. Um, and I never had a shed before. And it was, it's a very big shed in our backyard, and, and I liked it. I, I liked the shed. Um, I, had, I had dreamed about having a shed like this someday. And it, it reminded me also, and I still go in there, it reminds me of the, my, the shed that my grandpa had. And so um, I liked the shed. I loved the shed. I didn't want to have to destroy um, my shed. And they, the, the letter said, uh, you got to get rid of the shed. It's got to be destroyed. Um, because it is encroaching on your neighbor's property. Um, they didn't build it right, so they said. So I investigated, I investigated, I got the plot survey out, um, and, I, and I said, no, they, they did build it right. Uh, it's on my property. So I, I took it down there to them, and I got a letter that said, uh, you're right. It's built right. You don't have to destroy your shed. You get to keep it. In Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking, he tells a story of two builders. And he's not talking about buildings, he's not talking about sheds, but he's talking about lives, and he's talking about your life. And he's saying how you build your life matters. Because if you don't build your life on the right location, on the right foundation, it will be destroyed, and it will be cataclysmic. 
And so we're supposed to be very careful where you build. And that's the question this morning. Are you very careful with where you build? Are you, very, are you, are you careful with where you're building your life? Are, are you sure it's on the right foundation? And this is, this is the story that Jesus is saying at the end of his long sermon on the mount when he told his disciples everything that he wanted them to know. Mad that the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which years ago most everybody would know, but nowadays people don't even know much about the Sermon on the Mount. They've heard parts of it, but the, mount, the Sermon on the Mount goes from Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, and it's a ser- long sermon that Jesus gave, and he was on a mountain, and he was telling all the things that he wanted his disciples to know, everything that he wanted them to know about, if you're going to be with me, if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, if you're going to be a follower of me, then this is what you need to do. And, and he tells this long story, and he, and he says at the end of this, he gives this parable, he gives this story about building. And, and the people were mesmerized by it. They, they were mesmerized by this sermon, because it says in verse 28, and when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And Jesus tells this great sermon, this is what you need to know. And then he wraps it up, almost the whole last part of chapter 7, as Jesus given the conclusion. Given the, the conclusion, and he, and he says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man has built his house on the rock. You're hearing these words of his now. So this applies to you. The, the, the problem is there is, Jesus said, there's a building crisis. And then we're going to talk about some building conditions the building code that we have to have, and then some building confidence. Jesus wraps up his Sermon on the Mount with this crisis. I mean, he, he, he's up there telling all these things, and then the last thing he says after he tells them is, hey, here's a story, and it ends with catastrophe. The, the house, there was a great fall to this house, to this great, to this building. There's a catastrophic fail. What is Jesus talking about? Is he just talking about, hey, if you're a disciple of Jesus, there's some, some rough times in your life and you've got to get through that? Or is he talking even farther than that? And he is talking farther than that. He's talking and he's saying, if you don't listen to what Jesus says, and if you don't hear and follow through on what Jesus says, your life is going to have cataclysmic crisis. There's a judgment coming someday. And God will judge the world, and he will make a final judgment. And that's why Jesus says, hey, listen. Listen very carefully. Hear what I'm saying. Because there's a crisis that's coming if you don't build your life correctly. The Bible says there is a judgment coming. And, and sometimes people, they, they don't want to believe that there is a judgment coming. That, that there is a separation that God's going to make between those who follow God and those who don't follow God the way he said, that there's between uh, heaven and the kingdom of God and hell. And Jesus said there is a crisis coming. There's a big building crisis. D.A. Carson says this on this, you, you may not believe that a hell exists. In that case, you may dismiss Jesus as a liar or a fool, or 
You may be so attached to your sin that even the threat of final and catastrophic judgment may not induce you to leave it. But you will be foolish indeed if you simply accuse Jesus of frightening you into the kingdom. The real issue is the truth behind Jesus' words, the truth which Jesus prompts Jesus' warning. Either there is a hell to be shunned, or there is not. If there is not, then Jesus' entire credibility is shattered. For he himself speaks twice as often of hell as of heaven. So whether you accept the existence of hell will depend in a large part upon your total estimate of the person and ministry of Jesus. If you can dismiss him, you will have little difficulty dismissing hell. I mean, this was Jesus' warning to these people. He's saying this, this is what a disciple of Jesus needs to know, and he gives them a long sermon, and he tells them what it is, and then he, he wraps up the conclusion of that sentence saying, listen, because if you don't listen to this, there's going to be a crisis, there's going to be a cataclysmic end for you if you don't build your life on the right foundation. There will be a separation, and, and he mentions it many times. And so he says, take great caution. And he, and he closed it this way. He says, listen, take great caution. Even as this sermon, why should we take good, great caution? Because in verses 13 and 14, as he's wrapping up this sermon, he says, listen, hey, there's, 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 you've got to enter into the kingdom of God through the narrow gate. There's two ways, a wide gate that leads to destruction and a, and a narrow way that leads to life. And few get in that way. So they're, they're, the reason that you've got to be take very cautious consideration is because there are, there's deadly detours. You can go through life and take the wrong path. And, and that will lead you into the way of destruction. And then he said, not only that, there's, there's great deceivers. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. And so be very, watch their fruit. He's saying, listen, the, the, the reason you've got to listen to what he's saying with the Sermon on the Mount and how you know you're in the kingdom of God or with following Jesus, you can be very deceived by the, 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 the detours. And you can be deceived by deceivers who are going to tell you, hey, it doesn't really matter what you believe. All, all ways are right. It, it's, it, there, there's, there's deceivers among us. There's sheep. There, there's, there's prophets who are going to say things contrary to what Jesus says. But he says, you'll know them by their fruit. And, and then he says an even more serious reason why we need to listen is because he says there's self-deception. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty, many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. There is self-deception, which means there's a building crisis. If we're not very careful, we have to, we have to be very aware of how we build our lives because there's, there's detours that you can take. There's people who want to deceive you, and there's a great ability for you to be self-deceived. That you can do and say and believe and act in such a way that it separates you from God. And you can believe and say and act and believe in such a way that connects you 
with God and lets you know you're building on the right foundation. And so Jesus has their attention, and then he wraps it up with this story. There's two guys, two builders, and here's the building conditions that they built. They, they, built, they built houses, and the rains came, and the floods, and the wind, and one house stood, and one house got knocked down. And he's making a major contrast. He says, one's a fool, and one's wise. What's what's unique about all this is you don't know until the end, until after the storm came and everything was wiped away, which was which. Which is why Jesus gives the story. To give us a chance now, before that storm comes, before you stand before God, to examine your life and to see where you have been building. Because if you look at the story, there's a lot of similarities with these two guys. I mean, they're, they're both building houses. They, they, both, they, have a, they need a place to live, so they both build a house. They both build houses near each other, clearly because the, the same storm came and affected them. They both dealt with the same storms. They're they both dealing with the same problems, the same issues in life. They both had equal ability. It doesn't say one house was better than the other. They just built houses like any Palestinian would do. And they, they, they both had very similar styles of home. There's nothing unique about the homes. It's just two guys who had two families. They needed some protection. They lived in an area where storms and floods came. And so they, they had to build a house. And so they built their houses. But there's a major difference between how they built their houses. It was, there was a huge contrast, one profound difference. One had built his house on a strong foundation, and the other had built his house on sand. One had built it on rock, and one had built it on sand. The point that Jesus was trying to make is that it's such an absurd story. No Palestinian would have done that. I mean, they, they know the difference between where to build because the storms would come and wipe things out. It's just absurd. You'd be a fool to do that, to build your house on sand. So Jesus says, listen. The same thing's true with us, though. You can show up at Cornerstone Church. You can live in the Route 34 corridor. And we have very similar stories to many other people live in life. We all build houses. We all gather together. We all want to be happy and content. We want to care for our families. We, we, want, we want help when trouble comes. We, we, want to, we want some advice and guidance. We want to both be safe for the future. That, that's everybody in this church and in this area. But the question is, what are you building your life on? Because there's a profound difference for people who build their life on Jesus Christ and people who build their life on rock. And, and what's, what's the difference? Why, why'd the foolish guy build his house that way? Why would he do that? When, when he wanted the same things that everybody wants. He, he was probably just in a hurry. The Bible says this about the fool in Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 8 and 9 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. The, and then it goes on to say, the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. 
Here's the question that you have to ask yourself. How are you building your life? I mean, are you really being prudently considering your life and how it's being built, how it's being formed, what the direction is, what the foundation is? Are you just, are you just flying through? You think, well, I just know some stuff. I mean, there, there's just a lot of things that, I, that, I, that I've heard and I know, and so I'm just, I'm just going to be okay. I'm just going to live life. I've got I to keep going. And, and you haven't taken much time, or you, or you aren't really taking much time evaluating and checking the conditions of your life. And so the Bible says, Jesus said, there's, there's a great fall. This, this takes place, and he's talking about lives. He's talking about people. He's talking about how you live and how you build and, and what the direction your life is heading in is. And he's very, Jesus is very serious about this. And he said, there's going to be a great fall for people who don't listen because they, they can be easily deceived. There's so much self-deception. And so Jesus is warning us, and he's warning you. How do you avoid that great fall with your life? How do you avoid that great fall? How, how, are you, how are you, can you be sure that you are on the right foundation? Because this, these two people, the wise and the foolish person, they, they, could be, they, they, they could be sitting right here with us this morning, and they are, is what Jesus' point is. He's telling this to his disciples, and everybody looks the same. I, I don't know what you're building your life on. I mean, you, you show up on Sundays, you, you, you bring your Bible, you probably listen to Christian radio every once in a while, you, you, you like Jesus, you, you like God, you, 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 you want some guidance and some support and some help, but, but, but is that ultimately, have you truly ultimately been building your life on Jesus? The Bible says that they can look the same. And you can be self-deceived. Because Jesus, God's going to stand before people and say, I didn't know you. I don't care how much effort you put in serving at a food pantry. I don't care how much time you spent in teaching this class. I don't care how much you memorized these things. So we are called, Jesus says, to be careful. So what's the code? How do we avoid a great fall. How, how do we know that we are in the right foundation? If you want to build something, there's, there's always building codes, which annoy people. And, the, and, and, and often the building codes is what annoys people from listening to what Jesus has called us to. Because the building code that Jesus has given is the Sermon on the Mount. This is what he says, how you enter and know the kingdom of God. And when you don't build correctly, there's violations to the code. Things get destroyed. You can't put it where you want it. And there was a time in our culture where, where the code for many people that was a violation was, hey, just believe in any foundation. You know, all roads will get you to God. Everything's going to be fine. Just believe whatever, whatever, whatever you, as long as you believe in something, that, 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 that's good. So they would say any, any foundation that you build your life on is okay, and it's not. It's a violation. And nowadays, people would say, hey, we don't, you don't even need a foundation anymore. There, there's no foundation necessary for your life because how do I know at, at, at 46 what I'm going to need when I'm 72? So, you know, what I need at 46 might not be 
what I need at 72. So, so everything's just fluid. So you just go with the flow, you know, whatever your body desires, whatever you're feeling at that moment. There's a necessary and needed foundation. You just be you. You follow your heart. And Jesus says, following your heart is a very dangerous way to live. There is a foundation. But Jesus says the building code has to be more than just professing that you have a foundation. It's more than just, that's, that's his point. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine, you can just hear Jesus' words. And you can profess to know God. And you can profess to believe in God. But Jesus says, it's not just hearing. It's not just professing. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. So it's not just professing that you know Jesus. You, you don't become a follower of Jesus. You don't become a Christian just because your parents brought you to church. You don't, be, you don't stumble into Christianity. You don't become a follower of Jesus just because you prayed a prayer when you were eight years old. And then you just kind of lived your life. And when someone says, how do you know God? Well, I prayed a prayer. I was, I was at vacation Bible school. The carpet was blue. The teacher had a lot of makeup on. She smelled wonderful. Um, and I remember that so much. It was such a special moment to me. But there's been nothing different in your life. There, there's no changes. You know, you, you do the routine things, but, 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 but you're, the things that the Sermon on the Mount says aren't, aren't true of you. I mean, do you feel a deeper sense of spiritual bankruptcy now? That's what the Beatitudes teaches. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you show mercy? Do you promote Christ? Are you more compassionate now than you were before? Are you, are you more kind than you were be, before? Have you, have you radically dealt with sin so much so that you, you say, there are things that I say no to, and there's things that have been changed in my life. Do you have a greater love? How do you treat your enemies? That, that's all the things that the Sermon on the Mount says, and, and Jesus says this is what a disciple of Jesus is and knows and believes and follows. So if you want to follow me, hear, hear me. And then do what I say. Do, do what I just got done saying. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is the one who is wise. It's, it's, the, it's hearing and it's doing. In Hebrew, the word hearing means obedience. It's obedience to what God's commands. We become followers of Christ through Christ by but the way you validate your faith, if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, it's, Jesus said, it's obedience. It's obedience. Obedience is how you validate your faith in Christ. Listen, it's not facts. Just because you know all the verses that talk about how to become a Christian doesn't mean you have believed them. Just because you have great feelings about Christian people and spiritual experiences doesn't mean you are one. Just because you even have faith, it's not faith. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Jesus said the way you know you're a Christian is you, you come to Christ alone by faith. And that faith turns into obedience. 
there's growth, there's change, there's fruit in your life. It's not our obedience. It's not what we do that gets us to God. It's coming to Christ alone that gets us to God. But when you come to Christ alone in faith, you will obey. That's what faith does. It will explode in your life. Someone said we should never think of obedience as something unattached to saving faith, as though one could exist for a long time without it. Obedience to Christ is the necessary result of true faith. If you have genuine faith in Jesus Christ, there is going to be obedience coming in your life. Because Christ is in you. If there is not obedience to the things that Jesus said in your life, you don't have Christ. That's what Jesus says. And you're a fool. You're living your life as a fool. That's how Jesus wraps it up. And your life is going to have great catastrophe at the end. So the question is, are you trusting in Christ alone? And is it being seen by your obedience to the things that Jesus has said? Are you acting on that? What What does that look like? It looks like a person who's prepared to listen. He's humble. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. I mean, they've been broken. They, they, they figured out that following their way of life isn't working for them, and they're willing to listen to what Jesus has to say, and they're going to follow it. It's, 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 it's being prepared to listen and humbling yourself before God. It's someone who's persistent. It says, enter the gate. For wide is the way, and it's easy, that leads to temptation. But narrow is the way, and hard, that leads to life. A Christian's life is marked by, they're going to say, God, you're in control. You have full authority over my life. And I'm going to persistently walk the narrow way, even when it's hard. Because I I know storms are going to come. They do. They come to both people in this parable. But they're persistent, and they're progressing. He says, by their fruit, a healthy tree tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. You're progressing. I mean, there's change. You, 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 You've seen change. People have seen change in you. And there's a desire to change. You know you're not what you should be. But you, you, you know you're not what you ought to be. But you desire to be that. And you're striving for that. that that's the heart of a Christian. It's producing in other people's lives. And, and you're, there's a sense where you're passing away. Because Jesus says... Yet not I, but Christ in me. Is the you that said you gave your life to Jesus years ago, is it still dominating everything about your spiritual life? Or have you just continually died and died? You come to the scriptures and you're like, oh, I don't want to have to follow that, but I will. I don't want to have to believe that, but I will, because that's what Jesus said. Is that the nature of your walk with God? Or have you slipped? And, and, you, and you, you wonder. This is why Jesus is telling us this. Because he's warning us. Anyone can hear this. It's not hearing it. It's not even enjoying hearing it. Some of you, you could just enjoy listening to somebody talk about the Bible and spiritual things. But it's acting on it. Is this what characterizes your life? that's being acted upon. That's the building code. 
what's the confidence for us? Because two types of people can hear this. The one is a, is a new Christian who's, who's like, this is what I want. And if you heard all these things and that's what I want, I want to progress, I want to grow, I want to be producing. And that's, that, that, that that's moves in your heart and you're like, I don't want to be the wrong one. And Jesus said, follow his words. And, and then there's the person who says, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's, that's what my life's been marked by. Not perfectly, but my, mar- my life's been marked by that. And so we, we rejoice in that. And then there's maybe the one who's like, I, I, I know all this. I've heard this before. I prayed. I got Jesus. But I'm doing it my way. I don't have to worry about how I spend my money. I don't have to worry about how I spend my time. That's who Jesus is talking to. And he's like, be very careful. Listen, are you acting on what I say? And, and here's the confidence. And when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Jesus said, if you want to be what God wants you to be, then be with me. Follow me. Everything that Jesus, God calls us to be is found in Jesus Christ. And it's in him that we are delivered. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible says that Jesus knows, don't, he says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious for your life because he, he cares for the birds. He, he, he knows all about the little sparrows, he said. So why are you being anxious for your life? Don't worry about the future. Trust in me. Yesterday, I was sitting on my porch going over the sermon, and all of a sudden, this little bird, if you can see it, a little black dot, a little sparrow flew into the fence line. So I quickly took a picture of it, and I said, that, that's, this is what Jesus did for us. If God cares about, this is the confidence that we can have when Jesus says the Sermon on the Mount, says, if you want to know me, follow me, act upon me, this, this is the God who delivers us. I mean, God knows about the birds. He knows about the storms in your life. He knows about the troubles you've been through. He knows about the hard times. And he, and he cares about that little sparrow. And if he cares about that little sparrow that flew into my fence, he cares about your life. And he knows everything about your life. Which means, one, you're not going to be able to hide from God. You're not going to be able to say, hey, God's got so many other people to worry about. How I live my life doesn't matter. What I do with my little small corner in the Midwest doesn't matter. No, God knows the sparrows, which means he knows your life. You're not going to be able to hide from God. If you're trying to run your own life your own way, God knows about it. He knows everything about it. You can't hide from him. You'll stand in account for God someday. And he will ask you, what did you do with Jesus? And were you trusting? And how did you follow him? But not only will you not be able to hide, the other side of that is you're not too hard to find. Some of you might say, if people really knew who I was, if people really knew what I did, if they knew really, really what I think and I struggle, God really couldn't forgive me. So I'm just trying really hard to get God to like me. I'm trying really hard to get God to see what I'm doing. God, I, 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 I'm worthy. And God says, I care about sparrows. 
You think you're too hard for me? You aren't too hard for him. There isn't some storm in your life that's too hard for God to deal with. There isn't some addiction that God can't deliver you from. There isn't some sin that you cannot be forgiven from because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. But when you think of God, he's not hard. This is why he said these things, because he, he loves us and he cares about us. This past weekend, this car was flying down the road. A South Carolina police officer saw it, went tearing after it, sirens blaring. He pulls this woman over, these two ladies, and in the car is this mom frantic holding a 12-year-old, 12-day-old baby named Riley who wasn't breathing. The police officer took it out, maybe you saw this, and he, was, he started massaging its heart and got it to breathe again until the paramedics came and, and, and saved the baby's life. That's God. God is like a patrolman who's with his lights blaring, chasing after you. It's God pursuing you. God compares about you. You're not too hard to find. You're highly desirable to God, which is why he came. This is why Jesus showed up. I mean, this is why Jesus outlined the consequences for people who aren't going to follow him. This is why he stood and gave the Sermon on the Mount. He said, listen, I love you. I care about you. I want you to know you can build your life on me, that you don't have to go through cataclysmic consequences for eternity. That I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And he just calls us. And it demands a response. What are you building your life on? Are you building your life on Jesus Christ? And is it active obedience? Is that your foundation? If not, I would encourage you to know that Jesus loves you. God gave his life for you. He came for you. And he calls you to repentance. And he calls you to turn your life over to him and to life. And maybe for some of you, you you feel like God's against you. You feel like you've failed God so many times. But you look at your life and you can go through these things. You say, that's me. That's the heart. I know I love God. I know I'm growing. I know I want to grow. That's the desire of your heart, and you're moving that direction, and storms are coming, and wave upon wave, and you think God's abandoned you. It's not true. And the response to you is just to rest in that, to stay on the house of solid ground and to rest, but there's a response that's needed from us all. What are you building your house on? Are you wise or foolish?